0: you want to overcome overwhelm for once and for all, this is the place for you. Hello, Mama Docs, and welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. As I mentioned last week, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and today I have a most amazing guest who is a psychiatrist. And she and I had met online in the virtual world, and I've gotten to know her a bit and she is such an amazing woman, such an advocate for us physicians taking care of ourselves so I am just going to introduce her and we are going to have a conversation with you so without further ado, I want to say welcome to Dr. Suzanne Jasberg hi thank you for having me absolutely so before we dig in, and as I was joking about before we uh started recording. Before we solve all the world's problems today, I would love you just to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, where you live, what you do, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So I'm a psychiatrist. I did all my training at the U of M. So college, medical school, and residency all at U of M. And then I worked there on faculty for a little bit, doing mostly inpatient psychosis work, and then moved to prairie care doing some programming and setting up programming there. And now I'm at a place called Ellie Mental Health and they're an only outpatient organization and super passionate about decreasing stigma, making sure that people get access to care and making it like easy. And so one of the bases that I'm kind of carving out at Ellie is physician access clinic.
0: Oh my gosh. That is exactly what we need here and everywhere And again, I just want to let my listeners know that the reason I like met you and started to become aware with you is again on these online circles. You know, we have a physician's mom group in Minnesota and people were chatting and saying, you know, I need help or my colleague needs help. And you were immediately there saying, I can see him tomorrow. I can see him this week. And like that is so touching. Number one, it lets people know that help is available and that you are so cognizant of the fact that it's, well, this is a thought that I have that it's hard for physicians to ask for help. So the fact that you're going to have, an amazing place where people can get in is phenomenal. So I'll let you speak to like, why is it so hard for us?
1: Well, a lot of it has to do with fear, right? Like people are really afraid that if they ask for help, they'll be deemed damaged or unable to do their job or needing special monitoring and all of that stuff. And part of that had to do with the way the licensing renewal questions were written. And that changed, thankfully. In Minnesota, um, right? Because it's Minnesota. different
0: state to state. Last year, right. the board voted to change that. You can speak a little bit to that.
1: Yeah, last January, they thankfully voted to update it to clarify, I think, what the original intent had been. But the way it was worded seemed some people interpreted it as like, if I get mental health treatment, I have to check this box and then they're gonna, I'm going to get reported and they're going to watch me. And so now the language is something to the effect of if you have a condition that's not properly treated, right? So if you have anxiety, great. So does 99% of the other doctors. Yeah,
0: totally. I think uh, anxiety, you know, the fact that we get our stuff done and work hard, you know, our anxiety fuels that
1: to a point it can be helpful. Right. And if it's not treated, you're probably not functioning as well as you could. So like Get in, get some Zoloft. Like here we, like here we are. Sign up. Like let's yes. go. Yes. Very vulnerable population, especially women, right? And our the statistics are kind of scary for, you know, deaths and impairment in physicians, and it's treatable. And when you ask for help, we need to be like immediately available because it's probably way, you know, way too long. Yes,
0: you're way down the line, right? And again, my listeners have heard me say, again, as someone who lost somebody to suicide, my dear sister Gretchen, who died by suicide, like we did not know that she was struggling. Yes, she had postpartum anxiety. She did reach out and get help. Well, that was 18 months before she died. Again, I don't know what all her follow-up was, but as a primary care doc, I'm like, we need to be doing this from the get-go. And yet, we're not there yet. But I want listeners to know that if you're really struggling and thinking like, I don't know if I can keep doing this or what's wrong with me, please reach out and get help. There's so many things that can be of use to you. So tell me a little bit more about this like niche clinic that you're creating
1: or is it already created? I mean, in my mind, it's created. <laughs> yeah.
0: But the thing is, you've, you've made it happen because I've seen you again online say, I can see you this week. And then other wonderful psychiatrists in Minnesota also kind of, you know, pipe up and chime in and say, Hey, I can too. Along with other, I don't want to like neglect the fact that other physicians step up and say, you know, I'll see my physician colleagues, but like, we shouldn't have to have this, like, I don't want to call it a secret circle, but like this thing that you have to go online to like
1: find somebody to see you. Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't have to yeah reach out through Facebook, but that's correct. Right. But so it all started when, when it was COVID and it was like, I'm a psychiatrist. Like I immediately pivoted to telehealth. I was pregnant so I could stay home and like literally not leave my house. And all of my colleagues were in emergency rooms and ICUs. And I was like, feel like a jerk, right? Like I have a very safe job. Like I'm not exposed. So what can I do? How can I be of value to the community? And so as a psychiatrist, I'm like, listen, this is really stressful. So if you're having trouble. Like I, this is what I can offer, right? I'm an, I'm a psychiatrist. This is what I can offer. And I I got a fair amount of patients that way. And then over the time I was like, well, I want it to be somewhere that you like, know you can go a direct number that you can call, you know, that you'll be seen by a physician and I'm not signing you up to see like a mid-level and that it's not connected to Epic, Right. So like, that's something people are always really worried about. You know, I work in these, both Prairie Care and Ellie have our own teeny little EMRs and they're never going to be epic. And so it's never going to pull it into your, you know, your your OB appointment or whatever. And it's a confidential space to get the help you need. Yeah. So important. I'm going to go back just
0: slightly to the, I feel like, you know, the the old language in our licensure has changed. And I know some, a lot of other States have too, but like, there are so many, like, I think myths out there, right. Can we just like stomp those for once and for all? Because I see people again on Facebook freaking out about like, Oh my gosh, like my husband's a physician. He needs to be seen. He's having suicidality, but he's really afraid he's going to lose his license. I'm like, Oh my God. Number one, like get him in. Like if you're dead, perhaps licensure doesn't matter.
1: Right. I mean, that's
0: pretty frank, but again, let's, let's take care of the hemorrhaging that's going on. Number two, let's talk about some of those myths and squash them for once and for all.
1: Yeah. I mean, seeing a psychiatrist and being reported to HPSP are like opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Like if you're seeing me because you have something that's bothering you about the way you think or feel, and you're wanting to get that treated. Great. There's 0% chance that I would report that like you're doing what you're supposed to do. If there's somebody who has like a very serious substance use problem, we'll also treat them. And that is possible that, you know, that would be a reportable event, but anyone who has seen me at least to date for depression, anxiety, whatever, I have reported zero people. Yeah. So again, listeners, there's no reason to report that if yeah. you're getting help for something and ch- you know checking all those boxes that is exactly what we want you to do and that's not reportable. Yeah.
0: Going even if it's not a psychiatrist and you just go and see your primary care doctor. Yeah. People, we have to take care of our brains and it is okay to do so. Just because you're maybe labeled with anxiety and you're started on a medication doesn't mean it's going to affect your job. I want you to hear that once and for all like people Take care of yourself. You're not going to not get a mammogram because you're afraid that it's going to be. You know, I I get it that it's different, but again, we need to start realizing that taking care of our brain is paramount to anything we want to do in our
1: life. Right. The board doesn't want you to be depressed. The board, the board wants you to not be like actively psychotic.
0: Right. Yes, that does make sense. That would make sense. That if you're having like very
1: few things that would really matter to the board. And 99.9% of it is, you know, you're depressed or anxious and that's totally okay. And we can treat that and nobody has to know. Yeah.
0: I love the way you say that just so matter of factly, because I think some people, you know, get all in their heads about it, right? And you're like, this is what's going on. And it's not a problem. Just like if you went in to the emergency department and said, I've got abdominal pain. They're like, this is not a problem. We're going to figure this out.
1: I right. can help you, don't
0: you lose your license because you get appendicitis. Yeah. You can take care of your brains. So, again, there is a lot of stigma. I'm, you know, screaming from the rooftops Hey, we have to stop the stigma. The brain's really important. What else? Any ideas? And again, I know this is like a big thing, but all these amazing listeners can start to be the ripple effect in their area. Any ideas of what we can do as a group of amazing physician women to like, stop the stigma other than just talk about it. Like who's your therapist or what? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we could,
1: how many milligrams of Zoloft are you on? Right. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, I think just, I think the fear of the board is like the main problem, right? Because mental health is already stigmatized just in our general population, but then having that extra layer of being afraid that you're going to get reported and monitored and have to be like checking in with you know, some sort of regulatory mechanism is just, it's not reality-based, but that's like what everyone is afraid of. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Now in those extreme
0: conditions, again, that's when someone's so far down the line, but my thought is it is an emergency. Someone needs to have a crisis evaluation immediately if they're telling you that they have a plan and that they, you know, are going to kill themselves. And again, I get it that the fear comes up, but my thought is, okay, they're going to be dead and not work and, or they're I don't know. Like, it, to me, it's just like, is this even a decision? Like, this person needs help.
1: Yeah, and again, having the suicide thoughts or starting a plan is, that's depression. And that's not, if you're getting help for that, that's not an impairment that needs to be reported. Got it. I hear what
0: you're saying. But if someone's like very much on the verge of like, they're like, can you explain that, the difference? Like, I, mean, I, even, I get it that people, the more I speak up, the more I hear people share that they've had like suicidal thoughts, but weren't at the verge of like, Dying by suicide, right? So, again, I think this is really just important for listeners to hear is like, oh, this is just like a symptom of depression,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, but you could even be like acutely suicidal and need to be hospitalized. And that still wouldn't be something that the board needs to know about. Got it.
0: It's just that the disease has gotten this far down and you need some acute help. Mm -hmm. That is so helpful to hear. So helpful. I think that this is going to ease a lot of fears.
1: Now, is it different state to state based on the licensure, or yeah, it is. So some states still have wording in their in their licensing and renewal licensing that is too vague. And then all of us type a worry your doctors are like, "Well, I'm on Lexapro, so I guess I have to check yes." And I would rather just not be on Lexapro then because I don't want to have to worry about what the ramifications of checking yes are. And there should be a very significant distinction between somebody who has like an active substance use disorder where they're impaired at work and need to be treated and monitored and somebody who needs some medicine so that their brain feels a little bit better.
0: Yes, so good. So good. And again, I think some people get afraid that they, right, you know better than I about how substance abuse, like people are often, it starts as self-medication, right? They're anxious, they're stressed out. So like, you got to take the edge off the day, right?
1: And physicians have higher rates of substance use disorders than other professions, you know, doctors, lawyers, these kind of high intensity, high stress jobs. And you need some help cutting back drinking. You need a little bit of gabapentin. You need some naltrexone. Also. Okay. Like tell me, and we can treat that. I love it. We can treat that.
0: That's just going to be like, that should be the title of this podcast. We can treat that. Our brain has some things that can go awry and we can treat that. Mm -hmm. So important. It's just so normalizing. Like, I just want to like put you on a like billboard all over the nation and just say like, I mean, no, seriously, I think we need to band together and talk about this because so many people are afraid. I think that you hit the nail on the head. People are afraid to talk about it.
1: But the fact that we all go to medical school and we all do at least six weeks of psychiatry, and then we pretend that that's a specialty that none of us will ever interact with makes no sense. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And to, I mean, I'm just thinking back to my psychiatric rotation. It was like, fascinating, but like you're taking care of, at least I was taking care of like
1: inpatient, pretty severely sick folks. Right. Right. So that's a good point. Your, your experience with psychiatry is oftentimes a depression or psychosis unit inpatient unit and, or, you know, your own consult service. And so you're seeing people who are like very delirious or whatever, but the, I mean, I'm an outpatient psychiatrist. My bread and butter is just people who aren't feeling great and never go to the hospital. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Because it's so common. And again, oh my goodness, if I could just preach from the rooftops one more time, like everybody should be talking to somebody about how they feel if they're struggling. So how do people know? So again, you said that oftentimes people come in and they're pretty far down the spectrum in, you know, either their anxiety or depression as kind of like overtaking their life. Like, other than me just saying like everybody should go talk to their doctor about how they're doing or fill out a G87 or a PHQ nine, like seriously though, like when should people be like reaching out to you and or their primary care doctor? So it doesn't get so far down the line.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, we can do those screening tools, right? But like the reality is if you ask yourself, am I depressed? And the answer feels like yes, then you probably are. Right. Like people are very good at actually like a gut check of like, I. I feel good or I don't feel good, and it's like not more complicated than that. Honestly, and I so love if,
0: that. That's way better. Do not go print out the PHQ nine and the G eighty seven. Don't. Please. No, no. But that that I love that. Your body knows. Ask you know. yourself. We're we're so used to ignoring ourselves. Just like I got to try a little harder. Get up a little
1: earlier. Try a little harder. Buck up, right? Because that's how a lot and of us there, have been. There's studies that like the the diagnostic validity of just asking somebody. Do you feel depressed? Is like very high. Like you you guys are all smart people. Like you know. Yeah.
0: And what about anxiety? Because again, we were joking yet not joking about the fact that a lot of us have anxiety. Is it just when it tips over and is affecting, right? I always talk to my patients about how there's a spectrum of anxiety. Is it when it starts to like affect our day-to-day life? Or what is your like easy question for that?
1: Yeah. Or I'll say, like, do you feel like you're worrying the same amount as your peers? would be worrying about whatever it is right so you and your you know internal med buddy both have the same case is your worry about it the same as theirs would be or does it seem elevated compared to how somebody else might interact with the situation and then how much does it bother you so if you're constantly second guessing yourself or thinking of the worst like possible scenario you know you're circling back through the parking lot because you think maybe you hit somebody like all of that stuff that can be better. And so if there's parts of your thinking that just feels more stressful than they need to be, that might just be because you're anxious. Like, okay, we can treat that. There
0: it is again. We could treat that.
1: Now, do you have psychologists that you work with as
0: well? Or because again, I always love like, let's do all of the things. And yet sometimes you don't need all of the things, but I think therapy can be super duper helpful. So do you have therapists that you work
1: with? Oh, yeah. So Ellie is mainly a therapy institution. So it's, it was originated as just therapists. And so med management is actually relatively new to the organization, but depression that's at least moderate meds and therapy together will work faster. They'll both work, but if you combine them, they'll work much better. And so some people are, you know, they're afraid to, to want to do the medicine part. they will just start with the therapy part. But I, I always say that like meds, all they really do is like grease the gears and make the therapy a little bit easier. And doing that work is like really helpful and really long lasting. So good. So good. So I feel like we hit on like, you know, some myth
0: busting and encouraging people to reach out. Any other things that you think would be important for
1: people who are listening to hear? Just take care of yourself, right? Your brain is arguably a pretty important organ. And so let's not, you know, ignore it or disregard it if it needs to be fine-tuned. It's like, yeah, you can do it. But what if you could take a medicine that made it a little bit easier? Yeah. That doesn't mean yeah, and- a person that's smart, right? Oh. Somebody like, just try a little bit harder to make that hypertension better, but just relax. No, you're like, here, have metropol or whatever. So our brain's have medicines that make them better. And it's 2023 and we have modern medicine and why, why does it have to be harder? Right. I know I, and again, I just,
0: I, I think it's just people think like, well, I shouldn't need that. And I, as a family doc, right. Treating a lot of anxiety and depression in the clinic would talk about it. And of course people get to decide. And I would explain the medications on their safe and non-addictive. And some, I mean, I would often joke, I'm like, this should be in the water like fluoride. The sertraline should be in the water like fluoride. We'd all get along so much better and we'd have less. Well, more. Search, little metformin. Let's contact the authorities. <laughs> totally. Like we, there we are. We've solved all the problems, but it makes so much sense. But again, it's so interesting how, again, it makes sense though. We're very self-critical often as women physicians. And so we think, well, that's fine for them, but I shouldn't need that. I should just be able to figure it out. But you know what? No, it's just think about it like the hypertension, like meds can be helpful.
1: Like why? Like if you come to me and tell me how you're feeling and I can make it better, like that's what I'm supposed to do is like, that's my job right? Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. I don't think that you're weak or like, I would be proud of you because you're doing something that's necessary for your health. And that's why we go into medicine to make people healthier.
0: Yes. And again, the brain runs the show people like number one, life is hard enough. You don't have to be on the, like the super duper struggle bus and left unchecked, very dangerous things can happen. Again, I'm so open and sharing my sister's story and other people's story who have lost their lives or nearly lost their lives. We are a high-risk profession, women. We have to double down on taking care of ourselves. And I talk a lot about sleep. I would love to speak to that just briefly. But so many people think sleep is optional. Like, I got to get the to-do list done and feel better. And if you're thinking that way, number one, get a therapist and like talk that shit out. Like, come on. Like, that is, again, how we've been socialized, but like you can get over that. And sleep is vital. I'm saying it for probably the 500th time on this podcast, but it's so important for your brain. And now I'm going to like, give it to the experts, So see what she thinks about sleep.
1: Oh, I have this little, like, cause yeah, sleep is paramount. Right. And I, I tell people there's, and this is any neurologist who's listening, close your ears. Cause I'm going to yeah. oversimplify this, but like there's these little cells that are like the janitors of the brain. Right. And they come and they clean and they fix stuff and they get ready for new memories and they clean up after the day and they're only functional to their best capacity while you're sleeping. So you need to give your brain time for the janitors to come out and clean everything up for the next day. If you don't, your school is going to be disgusting, right? And so sleeping has like a a very vital, important role in keeping your brain ready for the next day, ready to learn, ready to make new memories, ready to consolidate everything. It's very, very important. So good. And
0: just to deal with stress, right? You know, I talk about the stress scale and like how we can handle things so much easier when we're rested. Like our brain is like, what the hell's going on when we haven't had enough sleep? And people do that day after day. And I get it that we have like people who are listening, have calls and they're up delivering babies and doing emergency surgeries at night. And I get that. And thank you for that work. And when that's done, you get your butt home and get some sleep.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I was just um, coaching someone the other day. She's like, well, but I really think of it as just a day. I should be getting all kinds of other things done. I'm like, yeah, you need to stop
1: that right now. And you're not. Functioning well, right? I mean, we know the studies that being tired is is similar to being like intoxicated in terms of like your motor skills and all of that. You know, yeah, I'll
0: just the CDC says being awake for 24 hours is equivalent to a 0.1 blood alcohol level.
1: Yeah, yeah, wow, right? And like, I remember being an intern and like coming off of a however what ICU and stopping at a stoplight and then just like proceeding to just drive into the car in front of me. Like, why? I don't know. I was just like tired. And I got out and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And the lady looked at me and my scrubs, she was like, just go home. And I was like, yeah, that's bad. That's really bad.
0: Yeah. And again, if you talk to your colleagues, so many people have similar stories and yet people are trying to like muddle through in clinic or some people are operating. Again, But beyond that, we just start to see everything in our life as like overwhelming and too much. Again, my listeners have heard me say that sleep deprivation was a huge contributing factor in my sister's death. Yes, there were many other things that were going on, but sleep deprivation was was huge. So that's something that we have control of. You know, we have busy lives and you can figure out what time do I need to go to bed and how can I make that work? Do I need people to help me with all the things that I think I need to do? Maybe. And And if
1: you can't sleep, tell me and I'll figure out how to make it. Oh, better.
0: yes, thank you because you know, I always talk to my patients too. Sleep and mood disorders are closely intertwined. It's like the chicken or the egg. So, thank you for bringing that up. If you can't sleep, that's a sign you need to go and talk to a psychiatrist or a primary care doctor.
1: Right. And I'm probably not going to give you Ambien because there's lots of better Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> ways to treat
0: insomnia. <laughs> thank you. And right when your mood starts getting better, the sleep gets better. Like you 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 attack both. Yeah. So good, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought that up. What else? Any other things that we didn't talk about that you think would be important to hear?
1: Check in with your own brain and your body because your body
0: loves to like let us know, but we get so good at ignoring our body, right? Oh, yeah,
1: you know, and oh, irritability huge in depression, right? Diarrhea, huge in things with anxiety, right? Like are you know, you have more serotonin in your gut than you do in your brain. So that's a highly connected area. There's lots of stuff to do. And if you're super opposed to medicines, that's fine. I can also talk to you about like what your options are. Yeah, Maybe you tried five medicines and none of them worked. Great. I can use neuromodulation to treat your depression. Like there's lots of tools and resources to make it better. And I always tell people like, you literally will not meet somebody more stubborn than me. Like I will figure it, I will figure it out. I w- And if I haven't figured it out, I won't stop. So like you got a team then, like we're, we're together when we can make it better.
0: I love this. I love this. I can't wait to share your information. And I know like you will be hearing from a lot of these like Minnesota docs who are listening where someone should begin to look if they're listening and they're like, you know what? I am feeling depressed. I really do think I should reach out. I always say, again, as a primary care doc, we can start the process. That's one thought that I have.
1: Any other ideas? your OB, right? Like they're wonderful, wonderful resources and very skilled often at at least getting the ball rolling in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, the, so the licensing requirements for telehealth include that you have to be licensed in the state that the person resides. Right. Got it. But in Ellie, like in my physician access clinic, like I can do telehealth. You can literally go to the parking ramp and sit in your car and talk to me on your iPhone and we can get going. You don't have to take a half day off work to, you know what I mean? Like,
0: yes, which is so it, nice for people. Like, let's make it simple for right. us hardworking physicians to yeah, get the help that we need. So right.
1: It doesn't have to be so hard. No, it doesn't need to be so
0: hard. Don't keep waiting. Don't keep thinking it's just going to get better. If your brain is kind of saying, like, this is tough, like, I just don't feel good, mm-hmm. see somebody.
1: And if you, if I really don't think you need medicine, I'll tell you, but you guys are smart people. Like, you know gut check, right? You know. Yeah.
0: And if you're just thinking like, oh, I'm doing pretty well, but I have this stressor and this stressor, and I still think I should be doing all that stuff. Again, I just think if you have a human brain, like probably a therapist is a great idea <laughs> to talk mm-hmm. about all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't have to go Acknowledge through- Acknowledge your
1: thoughts and which ones are serving you and which ones aren't. And you can, you have control over that. It takes practice. It's not yeah. perfect. But there's a lot of work that can be done just in terms of like acknowledging what our thinking is like. Yes, that's exactly
0: it. That's what changed my life. I mean, I've seen therapists in the past, but like, well, when I first had a coach, that's what I learned is like, oh, I can have awareness of my thoughts. I can be deliberate about my thoughts. And so that's what I do with my coaching clients is we, you know, people are struggling, but not like severely anxious or depressed, but just like struggling with, thought patterns and we like create new ones instead of feeling overwhelmed and frustrated all the time in clinic. That's the work that, that I do with people. So there are a lot of options to help you. If you're just wanting life to be a little bit easier, doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be so hard. Beautiful. So if someone's listening and they're like, I want to reach out, how would they contact you? I will put the links in the show notes, but maybe you can.
1: Yeah. So Ellie, Ellie just has one phone number
0: we will put a link in the show notes to the phone number of Ellie. And then One the
1: time. physician access clinic. It, we have our own like little landing page that's launching, and we we're calling it Ellie Empower because we can. Yeah, I love <laughs> and, it. Um, that's how to get a hold of like my little clinic, and my team knows that if there's a doctor that wants to see me, it it's going to happen. I will make it work, and it's confidential, obviously. And again, we don't have Epic, so there's nothing going to accidentally blow into your, you know, next visit. No call or email. My me, my email is sjazberg at la mental health. I always put my cell phone number on Facebook if somebody like needs to find me. Like, and I trust you guys. You're not going to text me weird things in the middle of the night, right? Like, but if you need if you need something, I'll help make it happen. Yes. And which is why when I
0: had seen you again and again posting, I'm like, I have to reach out and meet this amazing woman and have her on and share all this information because the brain is vital and we have to talk about it like we do. Every other thing, as I've probably mentioned before, I was at a conference recently and women were talking about their uteruses falling out and who they should see. I'm like, dude, we get to be talking. I mean, that's fine. I am I love that we can like talk about that. And two, we should be talking about our brain and, you know, you know who we're seeing, how many milligrams of meds we're taking, and or who's our therapist, or what are we doing to take care of us, right? Instead of bragging, like I'm so busy all the time, be like, dude, I went to bed. I'm that person. I'm like, oh yeah, I got nine hours of sleep last night. People are like, what? I'm like, it's important for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't function well without it. So, thank you so much for taking time and coming on and speaking to all my listeners. Anytime I think would have been amazing, but I love that we get to have this conversation in May where you know, the nation is shining a light on mental health awareness. So thank you for taking time and thank you for all the work that you're doing, taking care of all of the patients. And again, my heart just blooms so big of taking care of the physicians who need help. And this is where I'm going to get choked up and just say like, I wish I had known you two years ago and my sister could have seen you.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. But so, what we're doing is important. And so, you know, the trajectory could change. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So I'm hoping that you get flooded with all kinds of requests, but take care of you too and keep doing your amazing work. And again, together, all of us are going to start to, you know, stop that stigma, start talking about it and just normalize taking care of ourselves so we can continue to take amazing care of our families and our patients and just enjoy life. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. If you are struggling and in need of support, I'm going to offer you the number for the Physician Support Line. It is a free, confidential peer support line by volunteer psychiatrists helping U.S. physician colleagues navigate the many intersections of our personal and professional lives. They can be reached at 1-888-409-0141.